it's good to see all of you here that are here. And uh, since we're live streaming, I want to say hello to all the people at home, too. We miss you, and uh, I miss uh, seeing many smiling faces here, but I do see a few here, and we're thankful for those that could make it out here. Uh, we do want you to take precautions. We don't want you to feel like compelled, like you have to come to church. We would uh, love for you just to go online as well. And uh, we thank those that have volunteered to also put this on the live stream and are doing that. Uh, I believe that God wants to do some uh, new things in our life. Amen? He really wants to take this, what we're going through right now, and really work it into our life, a greater faith, expanding the capacity for our faith in the midst of difficult times. And God has always done that with his people. He's always brought people to a place that they need to take faith-filled, make faith-filled decisions and actions in the midst of difficult times. And for some of us, that means, you know, taking precautions. That takes faith, to take precautions and to do the things that we don't want to do. Who wants to stay home all day, right? Many people don't want to work from home, but many people are going to have to work from home now. So there's a lot of things that are happening in our world today, but we want you to know that as a church, we've prayed about how God wants us to proceed in this, and we want to stay connected. We want to continue to be able to be together, either if it's online or by making a phone call. This past week, I was able to, this weekend, uh, a few people called me and uh, Lori and I, and we prayed together on the phone. That's a powerful way to pray. You know, we didn't have to meet face-to-face, but we were able to get through and and pray. But we want you to know, we're not going to be having any midweek gatherings here at church. Our office is going to be open, but uh, temporarily we're going to be open now. But if you need anything, we want you to call the church, call our cell phone. We will come and help you in any way that we can. We are going to be available to you. The other thing that I want us to understand and know that even right now we've bought a license and we have a resource called Right Now Media. We purchased it a couple years ago. We've been having it every month. If you're not um, enrolled in this, you just have to send me your email and then I'll send it out to you. But there's over, now they say there's over 20,000 digital teachings, Bible teachings from some of the greatest teachers in the United States and around the world. And what they have there is something for everybody, for singles, for married couples, for parenting, for anything, for children's ministry. There's even some movies on there. So please use that during this time, especially if you have extra time because you're not commuting. Maybe you can use some of that time to lean into the Lord and hear what he's saying to you in these days ahead. That's really what God, I believe, wants us to do. And I hope in these days ahead we'll be able to press in And lean more into what is God saying to us. One of the promises the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of in these days ahead is taken from Philippians chapter 4. And I shared this last week. But I didn't share the verse before verse uh, 6 and 7 and 8. And that verse says this, the Lord is near. How many people understand and believe that? The Lord is near. He is not taken by surprise. He is not fearful of what's going on here. He is near and he's near to his people and he wants us to be drawing near to him. 
And then he says this, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, finally, brothers, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. And sometimes our minds can be so crowded with things that aren't trustworthy, reliable, lovable, noble. Uh, and they occupy our mind. And sometimes we got to bring our scattered senses back into the presence of God. And really that's why I encourage you to take time, especially in these days, to pray, to seek the Lord. To even pray with other people, even small groups. We're going to be uh, making available to you Zoom meetings where you can actually meet and have uh, Bible studies, group discussions, things like that where you're able to use that. We have accounts for the church to use and we want you to do that. Let's avoid hoarding, right? Let's avoid hoarding supplies. (laughs) This is a time when we don't have to panic. I mean... I did go to the supermarket yesterday, and everything was... I thought I'd get there early, beat the crowd. Well, I got there early, and there was nothing on the shelves. They hadn't stocked it yet. So, uh, you know, let's take into account all these things. Let's not panic. Let's not worry. And this is what I also... The verse that comes to me is this. Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel said, "...in repentance and in rest is your salvation." In quietness and trust is your strength. Isn't that true? When we come before the Lord, we find strength, we find rest in Him. Now this was written to the people of Israel. You know what the last line says, but you would have none of it. This is what God said. This is what I've called you to, come near to me. But the people of Israel said, we don't want to do that. We want to find our help in something else other than God. And you know what? Today is a national day of prayer. And we need to be praying. We need to be praying people. So I want us to, before we go any further in this message, I want us to stand and let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for uh, God to work and to move even in the midst of this. Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus and we ask for divine direction for our nation, for our government to have wisdom. We pray globally for leaders all around the world. We pray, Lord, that you'd give them wisdom in making wise decisions in each of their countries. We pray, Father, for the medical personnel, the first responders who are exposed to this virus, even as they go and help the sick. We pray for 70 million refugees in this world that are displaced without proper medical care and food. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would have mercy on all of us. We pray for those with illnesses, that you will heal them. We pray for comfort for their families. We pray that you'd intervene and work in a way, Lord, that you can be clearly seen in what you're doing. We pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones. We pray that you would be their comfort and strength at this time. And we ask that you'd continue to look at, to move and And work, Lord, and use us to act with compassion, sensitivity, understanding, patience with one another. We ask this all, Lord, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen. Please be seated. Today I want to continue on a series called Divine Direction, Knowing and Following the Will of God for Your Life. I believe that God wants us to understand, especially in times like this, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to think? What, what way do you want me to act? How do you want me to move? And so I believe that God wants us to understand that. I think one of the greatest uh, resources that we have is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times, just like the children of Israel, we would have none of it. But today, and in these days ahead, we need more and more of God's presence and power in our lives. You know, we're so used to asking Google and Siri and Alexa all of our questions. And a lot of times what we have to do is we've got to put aside that kind of stuff and we've got to go into the presence of God and ask the Holy Spirit because he really knows what's going on and he wants to speak to us. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith chapter or the Faith in Action chapter, as the NIV puts it. There's enough information and examples of people of faith that it summarizes almost the entire Bible and how God was working and moving. Um, I believe that uh, God wants us to understand what he's doing in our day and age. And so it's, it's so important for us to look into the word of God and then to take our actions from that. And that's what the people of the Bible used to do. They used to meet with God, and God directed them in the situation that they were in. And they were in some really difficult situations, and God encourages us to do the same thing. You know, um, last Wednesday, we had our last Alpha meeting for a while. Uh, We had this Alpha course, and uh, we had less numbers there, and we know that probably following the protocol from the community and the CDC, we're going to end these uh, dinner meetings right now, temporarily. But one of the things that happened was that we began to share about our faith stories and about what was happening in our lives. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, that's really what it's doing. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's telling what happened to certain individuals and how they got through the difficulties that they were facing. And so we went around the table and people shared different things, but there was, at my table was Elio. And some of you know Elio's story, some of you don't, and I've got permission to share part of it with you. But for Elio, what had happened was that when he was just five years old, his father, who was a strong believer in Christ, was actually planting a church, working together with others to do that. And one night he was walking along and a drunk driver came by and ran him over and he was killed instantly. Now Elio had 11 siblings. And so what had happened through this tragedy was a cascade of upheaval in his life. You can only imagine a family from children of 5 years old to the early 20s and the father is gone. What do you do? I think what Elio said he did is he internalized a lot of anger, confusion, what had happened to his father, and he struggled for a long time, even as a child. 
And so as he grew up and went through grade school, he had an opportunity to enter into an engineering school. It was a prestigious engineering school. Only one in 40 was accepted of the applicants. And so he studied hard and he tried as best as he could. He took the test and then they posted the results of the people that got into the class. And Elio looked for his name that day and did not see it. He was not on the list. He walked out of that school dejected because he wanted to get into that engineering school to help his mom and to help his family. And here it seems another letdown. He walked over this huge bridge and he actually thought about committing suicide. And he got ready to do that when all of a sudden he heard a voice say, I love you and I have a plan for you. Elio said he now recognizes that that voice was the Holy Spirit speaking to him at that moment when he was about to end it all. He went back home for the next few weeks. He still struggled. It was difficult. But then he got a phone call from a friend. The friend on the other line said, Elio, why aren't you at school? Well, because I didn't get into school. My name wasn't posted. Well, your name is posted now. It seems like Elio was the alternate to get in. Somebody else didn't show up, and Elio got into the school. He went through engineering. He went through that school, and he happened to meet a few Christians there, and they happened to connect with him. And then he started to bring some of his friends to church. You know what was happening? God was working in the midst of tragedy, confusion. And what could have been a very, very difficult ending for Elio's life. The thing that Elio heard was exactly what the Bible says. In Jeremiah, verse 29, verses 1 through 13, it's, uh, verses 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, what happened to Elio is he began this relationship with the living God. Was his life full of problem-free from then on? No, it wasn't. You should sit down and ask Elio and Eliani about all the things that God has brought them through. We should share our stories with one another because we need to build each other's faith up. Because God is always faithful. But one of his friends that he brought to Christ is now the president of the Alliance World Fellowship. That man has been used to reach tens and twenty thousands of people and a global family of believers he leads outside of the United States, in, outside of Brazil, where he was from, but all over the world. Think about that. Elio did not do what he thought he was going to do, did not commit suicide. God saved him, used him to touch other people's lives, and God's continuing to do that. You know what the Bible says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know what happened to Elio? He had to come to a point in his life where he heard what God was saying and then he needed to act on it. And that's really what faith is all about. Now, it was God who initiated that in Elio, but it was Elio who then took action and followed through. God does the same thing in each of our lives. In the book of Hebrews, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. But Hebrews chapter 11 talks about one after the other, uh, men and women of God who had faith, who overcame obstacles that were so difficult because of their faith. And so this chapter continues to build into us a desire for us to have faith. That's really why the writer of Hebrews wrote, wrote it, was because people were struggling in things that were going on in their life, and God invited them into a deeper faith and relationship with him. And one of my favorite characters in this whole chapter is Moses. I think Moses is a fascinating person to look at, right? I mean, if you think about Moses, he went through so much, he even had to face his own fears, his own doubts. He had huge changes that happened into his life, but he persevered and he remained faithful. And one of the verses in Hebrews that describes this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It says this, By faith, he, Moses, left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, when I think of Moses and leaving Egypt, I think of him being scared and on the run because he had just had this conflict with the Egyptian and accidentally murdered him killed him by, by trying to save an Israelite. And so he's running away. But the writer of Hebrews says this, that he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. See, Moses placed his faith not in Pharaoh or the position or the power he might have had as a son of Pharaoh... He didn't, place his, he didn't place all of his faith in the things that God had given him by being a son of Pharaoh. But he placed his faith in the living God, and even as he was running away, he was sinking more of God in his life. Now, we understand that Moses later went into the wilderness for 40 years, but he met God there. And I believe in these days ahead... We may be facing our own wilderness. It's a time, wilderness in the Bible is always a time when God calls individuals from the busyness of the world and life to come into his presence. And God is doing that in his church all around the globe. Even as we face this pandemic, he's calling people to come into his presence. God wants us to come into his presence and meet with him and have faith. Hebrews 11, 32 and 33 uh, says this, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flame, <clears throat> escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. 
women receive back their dead, raised to life again. You know, that they... What happened is that God's people placed their faith in him and then they saw things happen. And I believe God is calling us to that same type of faith. People that had faith, they experienced these tremendous victories and answered prayer. They trusted God. They adjusted their lives to what he was saying and then they followed in his footsteps. And so they were blessed because they were believing in someone who they could not see, but was present with them. And that's really what faith is all about. We believe even though we cannot see at the present moment. Faith is not sight. But we believe in who he is, and we trust him, and we rely upon him. And that's what the people of God did. But then it goes on. There were others who had just as much faith but were given grace and strength to help them during their time of suffering. And so the writer of Hebrews says these were the people that tremendously, they conquered kingdoms, they were delivered, they, they shut the mouths of lions. And then on the other side, there were other people of faith, and this is what it says, they were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain even a better resurrection. Some faced jeers. Some uh, even faced floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, and they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes of the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I think it's healthy to put our trial into perspective, the things that we're going through as a nation, to put it in perspective to what has happened in the past with God's people. Now, if we do that, and we look at these verses, we think about what God's people went through. They faced jeers, they faced floggings, chains, imprisonments, sawed in two, killed by the sword. We may be going through a pandemic, but we're not facing some of the things that they faced. And yet God commended them for their faith. He was still in control. He was still Lord over all. To put it in perspective in today's day and age, I would just heard that there were 70 million refugees in the world today. 70 million people displaced without a home country, probably without a job, without any medical care, without any restrooms, let alone toilet paper, right? We're worried about toilet paper. They have no medicine or probably no medical care or hospital to be taken care of. And yet, I believe God wants us in these day, this day, not to be consumed just with ourselves, but to be looking outward, having the eyes of faith that look around us to see people in need. Because if we have our health 
if we have our vitality, if we have resources, then we need to be generous and we need to share them. You know, at times like this, the church's missions movement usually comes to an end. Why? Because people are fearful about what's going to happen to their resources. But I believe God wants the church, especially in America, to be even more generous than we ever have been with the things that God has given to us. What does the book of Hebrews say in the next chapter? It says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, he says, okay, what I want you to do is look at these people that have been through all this in the Bible, and I want you to understand that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that up in heaven, some people, Bible believers believe sometimes they have a glimpse of what's going down. How are we going to react in faith? We know what they did. Now, how are we going to react in faith to the pandemic that's happening or the trial that we're going through. And I know there's trials that people are going through that are beyond just the coronavirus. There are things that people are facing that have nothing to do with the coronavirus but are just even more impactful on your family. And so the writer Hebrews and the Holy Spirit invite us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, God has a race marked out for you and for me. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes perseverance. We're in a mile of the race right now. That's pretty difficult. But we need to keep on trusting God and persevering. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We are in a race. Let's trust God. I want to close with one story that I want to share with you. And it has to do with, uh, and, I, and some of you may have heard this story before. I'm sorry if I repeat it again and again and again. But it was, a, it was a moment in my life where I heard the Holy Spirit speak and I acted on what the Holy Spirit said. And I want to encourage you that If you're not hearing from God, it's not that God is not speaking. It's just that sometimes we're not listening. And he wants to speak to us. He wants us to listen and respond to him. And I've been through seasons in my life where it's been very hard to hear God speak because there's so many other emotions and things uh, going through my mind. And I can get really scattered in my thinking. But when I center and focus on God, he always comes through. He says if we'll seek him, he will speak to us. And he will will work in our lives if we'll humble ourselves to him. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was in Newark in a single family home on South 7th Street. It was one of the poorest, most violent neighborhoods in America at the time, many years ago. Lori and our children, all under the age of 12, went out. Uh, shopping, and I was home alone in my living room, and all of a sudden I smelled gasoline, a strong odor of gasoline. And then I heard someone yelling and cursing violently outside my front window. I looked out and I saw there, there was this woman who had blood 
on her blouse and on her dress. And she was so angry. And she held a, a container of gasoline and a lighter in her hand. And she began to pour the gasoline on the side of my house. I immediately saw that woman and I, and I was scared. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll call 911. And so I got on the phone and I called 911 and I said, I've got a woman here. She's pouring gasoline on the side of my house. Well, where, where do you live, sir? And so I gave him the address and everything like that. And I knew in that city it took time for the police to come because they had so many calls that they were doing. And so I said, Lord, what am I to do? And I've sensed the Holy Spirit say, tell that woman I love her. I have a plan for her life. And so I, I sensed that and I went outside and I looked out there and I looked out my front window and sure enough she was standing on the other side of my porch and our porch was a little bit high so I stood up there and I looked over and, uh, and I said, ma'am, you, you sounds, looks like you've been having a rough day. And I took as much courage as I could. <clears throat> I was thinking about jumping off the porch and uh, tackling her and grabbing the lighter. That was my first thought. But then the Holy Spirit said again, tell her that I love her and I have a plan for her life. And so the lady began to share what was happening in her life and how angry she was at her brother who had just beat her up because he thought, She stole his radio, and so she was going to burn his house down, but she didn't want to get near him because she was scared, so she was going to start at my house, and his house was about five blocks down the road. Now, first of all, I'm saying, why start at my house? But she had started. There was an empty lot next to me. It was easy to burn the house down and get to the side of the house. And so this woman began talking, and then the Holy Spirit prompted me. He said, tell her I love her, and I have a plan for her life. And I said, ma'am, I just want to tell you one thing. Jesus loves you, and he has a plan for your life. And then all of a sudden, she changed, and she burst out crying. She goes, I know, I know, I know he does. I was at a revival meeting yesterday. Last night I was at a revival meeting. I went forward and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to stop drinking and I want to stop doing drugs. And I know he loves me. And I really want him in my life. And I said, well, I said, yes, yes, that's true, that's true. And then the police came and they came and they took the lighter from her. And they took her to the hospital to get medical care. Why do I tell you that story? It's not because of what I did, but it's because the Holy Spirit can speak to anybody. Even that woman, it wasn't me that spoke to her, it was the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to her the night before when she responded in a church service and came forward and gave her life to the Lord. He wasn't done with her yet. Why did she start at my house? Because... God wanted to speak to her one more time. God never gives up on us. He never stops speaking into our lives. 
And even though she, at that moment, in a time of weakness, in a time of anger and frustration, she was ready to burn the whole block down, God was still going to work in her life. You know, it's funny, I was telling, my wife came home, we went out somewhere else, and we came back, and there that woman was again. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, Lori, there's the woman who's going to burn down our house. I hope she's not back here to burn down the house again. And so we got out, we talked to her. You know what she did? She thanked us. And she said, I'm going to go back to church. I want to follow the Lord. I just wanted to stop by here and thank you. You see, there's people in our world, in our sphere of influence, that need to hear, God loves you, he has a plan for you. And it has to come from us who understand and know God loves us, and he has a plan for us, and he's at work in our lives. And when we do that, God works and moves. Look at what, how it ends here, this passage. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God is calling us not to grow weary during this time, not to lose heart, but to grow in our faith and the capacity to have love for people, a faith that works by love. So in these days ahead, I I pray that you will press into God, that you'll take the time, read Hebrews 11 and 12 again, Uh, take time to read that, study it, see how God wants to speak to you today and how he wants you to respond to him in these days ahead because the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us even as a church together, we want to be, stay connected. We want to continue to fellowship, whether it be digitally or um, on, in other means, by the telephone or whatever. So let's do that. And let's, and let's be positive in how we re- interact with other people. Even if they may look at us differently, even if they may be going through a difficult time in their life, Maybe God wants you to be the one that speaks those words that God still loves you. He's in control. He has a plan for you. Let's pray. Father, we don't want to become weary, lose heart. Help us to be your people who hear you speak and respond the way you tell us to. Teach us in these days, Lord. Help us to love our family. Help us to love the people around us. And Lord, help us to be people that have faith that works by love. And so, Lord, would you work and move in our lives? Keep us, strengthen us, use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.